Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. Oh, I am your host, and I'm having just an amazing time. You're listening to Waking Up in America, Vital Issues, Dynamic Radio Dialogues on Issues That Matter. Yes, that's what I say. Now, part of the fun and the laughter that you were listening to, even though we were talking about heavy things, so to speak, we'll tell you what that heaviness is, is that we realize that there are more of us than there are of them. And that goes into any paranoid world or any other world you might want to have. The good guys, they're hugely outnumber the other team. And the other team just has money, and at a certain point, you know, money doesn't do it all. We're in our 21st year of radio, and we're inviting angels and sponsors to bring us into your neighborhood. So any ideas, call toll-free 866-604-9966. That's 866-604-9966. You want to find out something about one of our guests? You want to talk to a member of our staff, that's the number to call, 866-604-9966. And please remember to disregard that other number. Um, so the old number is no good. Now, we'll bring in the listeners, we're going to cause some action, and we're going to create a new world, the world we said we wanted. Now, I've been told this is really kind of a interesting thing to do, but um, I am going to do this shortly, and I'll tell you more about it in a minute or so. I just want to let you know that our guests actually come from all fields, from the internationally known nutritionist J.J. Virgin to Taekwondo champion Mary Louise Zeller to Clint Curtis and to our dear person of the day, Steve Heller, and Clint Curtis has dropped in, so you're going to find out more about him. We thank you, Mr. Larry Hagman, for all of your conversations about solar and transplants and to Bob Sercosta of the Home Shopping Network who says we're doing radio that will change the world. With your help, that's totally true, totally true. Help us make that true and by um, letting your friends know about us. Visit our website, wakingupinamerica.com, which gives you information on our sponsors and lets you know the up and coming guests. And when you sign up for our newsletter, we're creating a Green Business Alliance. If you're behind Waking Up in America and the values that we stand for, go get the, our free newsletter so you'll know who's going to be on the schedule next. Um, and um, just sign up. We'll, we'll give you six months at no charge. If you hear a telephone ringing, a dog barking, an angel singing, know that we call in for our homes and offices all over the place to um, cause this wonderful radio show. And we cause that. In the United States of America, and I am moved, actually, and I'd like to know how you respond to this or feel about this, um, you can actually email me at val at wakingupinamerica.com. I've got that up on the screen right now, val at wakingupinamerica.com. And this is what I wanted to do because this is something that I had really been missing. <clears throat> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, if you'd like to join me, <clears throat> excuse me, try putting your hand over your heart and see how that feels. So everybody got their hand over their heart that wants to? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm Dr. Val Kirkgaard, and in 1984 I carried the Olympic torch, and as any torchbearer knows, you can't put the darn thing down. 
So I'm still carrying that 2,000-year flame, and I'm still remembering what it was like to look at my flag with pride and put my hand over my heart and pledge to the republic and what it stands for, and I am committed to hold that vision. And I want to remind you, we outnumber the people that have a more shattered vision. So with that, I'm bringing to you Steve Heller and our... (laughs) I don't know if you're still in the car or not. Clint, are you still in the car? I'm still here. Okay, so Clint's in the car. We're not going to ask him all the other things that he's doing. I've got um, Steve Heller here. Hi, Val, um, Dr. Val. Very nice to be with you. You know, when you were when we were talking earlier, you know, that's a very nice picture of you, too. Oh, thank you. You sent, Go to the website, and you can, you can actually see Steve Heller. We mm-hmm. don't have a picture of Clint in his car. But you've really paid for your boldness. Well, you, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, well, tell our listeners, a, a lot of our n- listeners know what Die Bold is, but some of them think it's a piece of machinery. Yeah. Well, uh, Diebold is the company that makes the electronic voting machines and the OptiScan machines. They also have other divisions that make safes and ATMs, but uh, the division we're talking about is Diebold Election Systems that makes the voting machines. And I was working as a word processor at their law firm or the Los Angeles office of their law firm in California, and as part of my job, I saw some documents. And in those documents... There was smoking gun, irrefutable proof that Diebold had been and was continuing to use illegal, uncertified software in their California voting machines. Hence the moral dilemma, right? Yes, it is, because attorney-client privilege, the right of attorneys and clients to communicate in secret, is a very, very important part of our justice system. And having been raised by a dad who's an attorney and two of my three brothers are attorneys and having worked in law firms for about ten years, (laughs) I had a, a very deep understanding of how important attorney-client privilege is. Well, you were stepping on a lot of sacred cows, not just what was interactive there. That's right. I want to have you poise right there because we know you did it. We know you you worked that out. Now I want to bring in Clint. And Clint, your big thing came in the Florida election. Would you tell us about who you are and about the Florida election? Uh, Well, basically, I worked for a company in Oviedo, Florida. And at the same time I worked there, there was a fellow who was our chief lobbyist, head of the Florida legislature, and corporate attorney Tom Feeney requested a program, a prototype for a program that would allow you to flip the votes on electronic machines. So, you know, I built that thinking he wanted to stop electronic, you know, votes. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to stop the crooks, yeah. Stop the crooks. And handed it in along with what you would need to do to make sure that this type of thing not happen. And the head of the company says, no, that's for flipping votes, specific, specifically in South Florida. That's not so Tom me. actually said that to you. Yes. It's for flipping votes. This is an yes, elected official. Did he get, tell our listeners if he got reelected? Well, he wasn't actually there. It was the head of the company that told me it was for flipping votes. He okay. wasn't in anymore, but he not only got reelected, he's now the congressman in this district. So, <laughs> Oh, so you lost that election? Yes. Okay, great. Now, you realize that, that both of these guys, Clint's in Florida, trying to work inside of some very interesting laws, <clears throat> and Steve is in a company, and they both know the same kind of information, right? That's right. So, notice, I want our listeners to really totally realize what options that they have about handling things. 
but wouldn't you call this, if we were to declare this a special time, guys, wouldn't we call this a time of courage or something? Well, I would, yeah, because uh, our country, I believe, is so far off the rails of our Constitution and the rule of law that we have lived by for more than 200 years that I really and truly believe, without hyperbole, our entire republic is at stake, and it's up to we, the citizens, to take it back. Yeah, exactly. Now, when I read the um, the allegiance, the Pledge of Allegiance, yes. how did you feel when you put your hand over your heart and said that? I, I All I can tell you is that I love the principles of freedom and liberty that this country was founded on, and I intend to do what I can as a citizen of this nation to keep those freedoms and liberties intact. Now, what I want to ask you, and I want Clint, what was your experience? Well, actually, I was driving, so I didn't put my hand over uh-huh. my heart. But when you said it, what happened inside of you? Well, that's what I was taught that this country stood for. So for me, it wasn't necessarily a thing where you have to say, well, this is going to be a courageous thing to do. It's simply something that you're expected to do. It's an is thing. It's your country. It, you take care of it. My dog heard its paw. It's going to the vets. Right. I go to New York, New York. They give me a sign for my door. You know what it is? It's the Statue of Liberty holding a wrench at New York, New York Hotel, and it says, need repairs. I snickered ever since I got that thing last year all the way home because it's like I'm just holding up my right arm. If you look at the website, you'll see I love the Statue of Liberty. And instead of <laughs> instead of a torch right now, I'm actually, or maybe we can hold up both arms, one with a torch and the other one with a wrench. But we outnumber what's going on here, greatly outnumber it. And I don't care how much money they've got. What we were talking before the show, Clint, was we were talking about um, Gandhi didn't matter to him. Right. So money, yes, they've made it an issue, but now are either one of you guys, you're part of a machinery of how the deception occurs, okay? Like how the powers that be get themselves put in certain places. Clint, didn't you have information, something about the the voting that actually happened in Ohio? Well, I all my information was strictly the fact that they asked for this information they asked for this prototype, they received it, and then they denied getting it. So I took a polygraph to, you know, prove that they actually requested it. And as far as what went on in Ohio, that never really got investigated fully. I testified at the Conyers Commission, but that testimony revolved the request for the prototype, not any specific... Okay, well, correct me if, if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a situation in Ohio where there were actually more votes for the current administration than there were registered voters? In some counties, that is true. There were some very strange discrepancies in the numbers coming out of some counties and some individual precincts in which more ballots were cast than uh, voters exist. Yeah, and in one that I happen to remember, Steve, I believe that Kerry had won at the exit polls. Oh, yes, absolutely. The exit polls all day were showing roughly... uh, 52% 52% for Kerry, 48 for Bush. Exactly. Now, I, I have to ask you guys this. I know this is stuffing off the end here, but either one of you, are you familiar with David Wilcox's work? I'm not. Okay, he's a physicist, an astrophysicist. I heard a conversation. I wish I still had a copy of it. But I listened to this thing avidly for an hour and 15 minutes because I was trying to figure out how they knew what states to tip, Florida and Ohio, right? So we got, you know, both states register here. So I hear this David Wilcox conversation, and he says, and I just want to throw this out to you as 
people that have been deeply involved in what this conversation is, that we, with our pituitaries, actually have access to the time-space continuum. I don't know if you've heard that or not. But that means that we actually have the ability to travel into the forward, forward into the future and back into the past and that they've actually built up a piece of equipment that can do that and they actually travel into the future to see where the win happens and then they correct it. That was in David Wilcox's conversation. So I thought, well, this is rather like contact, you know, with Jodie Foster. And I started calling physicists up and stuff and I said, can we really... Can we really do that? And they said, the odds are we can't. You know, we can clone humans now and stuff. The odds are we can, but it's certainly not out on the market. So I, I think, well, that's an easy enough thing to handle. We've got the numbers. If we can get everybody motivated, it doesn't matter. There's not enough machines to fix all the people acting. Well, actually, there is. There is? Uh, there is. Oh, in God, Florida, no! <laughs> in Florida, we actually corrected it, because I, I ran against Feeney last time, polling ahead, in the exit polls I won, on the paper I won, I lost in the machine. So we went door-to-door and actually collected affidavits from voters saying, how did you vote? And the affidavits showed that I was 12 to 24% higher in those in every precinct we walked. Uh-huh, what happened? Machines. Well, I did a congressional challenge. Of course, it's a Democratic Congress. You would think that they would at least investigate, you know, prima facie evidence and all right. that. Right. They did nothing. They just let it go. Okay, so... What did happen is that there was enough pressure that Florida does not have any more electronic machines. We have one per county, only usable by handicapped voters, so it's not enough to actually... Oh, right! So you really <laughs> something big changed. We made well, some big changes. Well, let's get back to Steve here for a minute because I'm trying to, if you notice, I'm kind of like playing you back and forth because I think you're really painting a broad picture of something and we want to get to what's larger. So, Steve, you've actually ended up being, (laughs) he ran for office. You actually ended up having authorities against you, didn't you? Well, that's true, uh, because I did commit a serious crime by stealing attorney-client privilege documents. I was charged with three felonies. And I have a quick question for Clint. Clint, how do they uh, count the paper ballots there? Do they use the OptiScan machines in Florida still? They do use the OptiScan, and there's still no audit procedure. But as a candidate, you're allowed to look at every ballot if you want to. That's good, and I hope I hope you or your your representatives will do so because the OptiScan machines are they, it is possible to rig them and hack them, and also even if there's no malicious intent, they aren't reliable. Just for example, a few months back in the Democratic primary in New Hampshire, the OptiScan ballot counters had an error rate 163 times higher than the federal allowed error rate. So uh, really, these machines are not to be trusted. The OptiScans uh, again, they're easily hacked. The memory cards have executable code, and even if there isn't any hacking or malicious intent, they often don't work right. Just another quick example. I won't take much time, but no, you're doing great. In West Palm Beach City in Florida, there was a small city commissioner election just about the last week of, of, of uh, June. It was, and uh, there were less than 5,000 votes cast. The OptiScan machines, those are made by Sequoia in that county, they did not count 707 votes, or about 14 percent of the total. Now they did find that error and they did count those ballots eventually, but the question is, how many times does that happen when there was no one aware of the error? Exactly. It's happened many times. We'll never know. This is faith-based voting, and I hope that, Clint, you or your representatives will keep an eye on those ballots and make sure they are counted and counted accurately. 
Yes, we are going to do a full audit, probably a 10%. In fact, we're going to bring people from around the country that are interested in doing audits and letting them basically, you know, experiment. I have a question, Glenn. Yes. Did he tell you anything you didn't know? Really? Because he sure I'm told sure. me a lot I didn't know. I'm sure Clint knows well, all of his stuff and most of No, I, I, I just, I'm trying to find out who I've really got here. Yeah, I was, I, what I was saying, I was saying for the benefit of your listeners because I was assuming Clint knew these things. Well, I'm one of your listeners and I'm really impressed. Good. <laughs> As a coder, it's actually easier to make the hack at the tabulator machine, at the actual, uh, you know, your reading Scantron machine than it is at the individual machine because you only have to hack one machine per precinct. That's very true. Instead of having to hack one machine and then cascade the failure down. One. So the code's a little shorter. It's not that big a deal. The trick is audit it so you know it's going to be correct. Hey, you guys, I actually have to take a break here. It's 12.16, 12.17, and we acknowledge the good guys at this time. And the good guys happen to be Stardoves. And Stardoves is an Internet mailing company with a 1,000 people and growing, uh, excuse me, Steve, <laughs> uh, a million people a week raw mails to. Okay, a million people a week. And it's a good, clean list, and if you call him, at 904-460-8083, that's 904-460-8083, and tell him you heard about it on Waking Up in America. He'll do something special for you. These, his rates are just incredibly reasonable, and his people that he mails to are the kind of people that you want in your life. Also, if you've had enough of the rat race or the conversations of the U.S. right now, a quick trip through Puerto Vallarta to um, San Pancho, Nayarit, San Francisco, Mexico, and just stunningly beautiful place when Steve and Diana happened to be there and they happened to run Roberto's Bungalows. And Roberto's Bungalows have little kitchens and a swimming pool and they're like two blocks from the beach and the people are fabulous. So these are our good guys. And these good guys you can reach through a U.S. number at 971-239-4120. That's 971-239-4120. And if you want to find out more about Mona V or Max GXL, call 310-459-4824. That's 310-459-4824. You can also call us at toll-free 866 604-9966. That's 866-604-9986. We're on the air with Clint Curtis and with good old Steve here, Steve Hiller. And these guys are giving us a scoop on how the elections get twisted. And gosh, we've got about nine minutes here. What do you think is the um, strongest place to go with this? How do people interrupt this process? Since Congress, I mean, you know, we were told by Nancy Pelosi she wanted to impeach Bush. Do you guys have any opinion on whether they're being bought off or what's going on? Well, uh, I think... Go ahead, Clint. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Oh. No, 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 you. All right, because Clint's letting me go first. First thing I'll say is I hope people will visit ClintCurtis.com, and if they can, kick some money his way to help with his election effort. He's the kind of House representative we need to get this country back on track. That's ClintCurtis.com. In the meantime, in terms of impeachment, uh, you know, for people who are opposed to impeachment, I have to ask them, what crime would a president have to commit that would that you would say, yes, we should impeach him for, that George Bush has not committed? He has spied on Americans without a warrant, and he has admitted having done so. Now, that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Is that not impeachable? 
he has instituted a policy of torturing our prisoners. Is that not against the Geneva Conventions? Yes, it is. And the Geneva Conventions, as a treaty to which the U.S. is a signatory, is the law of this land. Therefore, he has violated that law, and high crimes and misdemeanors are impeachable offenses. I cannot understand why anybody, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, liberal or conservative, would say a president who spies on American citizens without a warrant, who repeals the writ of habeas corpus, who tortures prisoners, should not be impeached. He must be removed for the sake of our republic. So I believe that Dennis Kucinich has presented, I'm not sure if he's presented the second group, but he presented like 30 articles of impeachment, and then he's got like a total of 65. He, he and, read 35 into the House record, and he recently did another one, which would be the 36th, about uh, George Bush's lies regarding the war in Iraq or taking us into the war in Iraq, and he claims to have over 60 total. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I remember that, because I was talking, he was at a meeting in Brentwood a few months back. So... We have this going on. We have a woman who said that she wanted to be elected to the House, to the Speaker of the House, who then declines the request of the American people, who, by the way, are the... I've heard that the number of people requesting this is really a significant number. Well, it it absolutely is, and uh, also... You know, in terms of why the Democratic leadership is afraid of this, I really don't know. I don't think it's uh, they're afraid of, of November elections. I think what they're afraid of is that they gave Bush permission to do all these things, and they're afraid that if they hold him accountable for the crimes he's committed, they'll also have to hold themselves accountable as Congress for letting him commit these crimes. They gave him permission to do it in, in, in many ways. So I think they're afraid of, uh, of holding him accountable will also mean that some of the Democratic leadership will have to be held accountable as well. So repercussions. So what are you thinking, Clint? Well, actually, I would expand upon it because impeachment is so slow and they've stalled so long that to actually get documents and get it going is pretty much impossible. But the more important the point is to hold people accountable after they're out of office. Well, that's what Vincent Bugliosi is about. Right. It's something we never do. We just let him have a pass. So this is kind of like firing somebody who's just about to quit. Okay, let me add, well, let me tell you what Vincent said, and I thought it was really powerful. Okay, what he said was, first of all, I don't know if you, you guys, everybody knows who he is. Vincent Bugliosi is who tried the Manson family. And it turns out that he has a rather good record. 105 out of 106 cases he's won. And I asked him, criminal cases, and I asked him, I said, um, 105 out of 106, that's pretty good. And he said, how did you do that? And he goes, they were guilty, Val. <laughs> so, um... He has written a book called The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And this was a couple of weeks ago that he was on, and I just love this guy. First of all, we have the same birthday, which is August for my listeners here who want to send donations <laughs> to the um, radio station. That'd be great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Vincent Pugliosi said that he's going to make that he knows that his book will make sure that George Bush looks over his shoulder for the rest of his life. Well, that would be fine with me. You know, I want to point out, first of all, that Mr. Bugliosi is a conservative Republican. He's pro-death penalty. He is a conservative man and has always been a conservative Republican, and he's not some sort of left-wing guy saying this. Exactly, exactly. So what, what keeps coming back and keeps showing up in my mind is the fact that, first of all, I think AOL really distorts its polls because it always has... It always has all the people that you don't think should be winning, winning. And I just can't believe Americans really totally are as stupid as some of those polls indicate. However, I take them, so I have to be careful about what I say. Um, but I want to get my finger on the pulse of things. And what I'm finding out is there aren't those numbers. I heard 
of, of approval for the presidency, which I believe is an all-time low, and we've had some horrible presidents. Well, some of the polling is is so tricky. You know, uh, there was I think it was a Newsweek poll. They released several over the course of several months. But if you look at the demographics of who they speak to, they shifted the demographics. And I think the media has a vested interest in making this election seem to be very close. Keep the horse race going because it makes for a better story. Oh, I, I, you know, as you what you've pointed to, and I'm sure we're all pointing to, is who's actually running this country is a combination of the twelve families and the media. Uh, it's absolutely uh, a lot of a tremendous amount of corporate power is in control of our government. I think we're in a second gilded age, as uh, in the old gilded age in the 1880s and 90s, uh, the, the corporations controlled the United States government. I think did they then too? Yes, they did. That was what the gilded age was: was the corporations <laughs> running the government. And I think we've returned to that. And I think that uh, the irony is that it was Teddy Roosevelt, a Republican, who was one of the great leaders of uh, progressive ideas that ended the gilded age. We oh. need another great progressive leader, and I'm hoping that might be Senator Barack Obama. I'm hoping that, too, but when you brought up Teddy Roosevelt, this is a story that not many people know. I went to the... Are you familiar with Phantom Ranch at the bottom of the Grand Canyon? No, not really, no. Okay, so you take a day's journey down, you go to Phantom Ranch, it's a little camping place. Um, Teddy Roosevelt would play poker with Fred J. Harvey, the guy that owned the railroads, and the Morgans, okay? They play poker down there. Ah. And guess what they played for? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> well, if you notice, Fred G. Harvey won the Grand Canyon. Ah. So I'm suggesting that they're still doing the same thing. The point is that I'm not suggesting a French Revolution. I'm suggesting a Gandhi-esque conversation where we just stand there in numbers and, and say, um, you're outnumbered. Well, I, I would We're not doing it. Huh? I would agree with that, and that ties into an organization that I'm working with, which is VelvetRevolution.us and Velvet Revolution. See how perfect you are. It is, and well, yes, I'm very perfect. <laughs> Velvet Revolution was a phrase that uh, Vaclav Havel came up with when there was a bloodless or velvet revolution in uh, in Europe, and uh, th- this is what we need here in America. I do not advocate any kind of violent no. thing, mm-hmm. but I absolutely am in favor of the people using our power as the people to take our country back to once again, take control of our government and wrest control of our government away from the corporations. Yeah, now, Clint, how are you doing in Florida? Uh, we seem to be winning in the polls, but it's hard to say because, you know, all the money has gone to <clears throat> corporate Democrat, which is a problem that it's not just elect Democrats and we'll take the country back because there are so many Democrats that are part of this ELC corporate type of a thing that it doesn't really matter. I mean, the Democratic Congress just repassed the FISA bill. That's exactly right. The so-called blue dog Democrats are very conservative Democrats. I call them dinos, Democrats <laughs> They are a, a real problem. Hey, we're going to take a break right now with the dino Democrats, and when we come right back after this break, you're going to have Steve Keller, Heller tell us what the real problem is, and I'm sure Clint will tell us a few more real problems, too. But here we go to Diamond Alignment. more alive with possibility than ever before in history. Yet it is easy to get lost in the confusion and chaos of such an accelerated world. How do we stay connected and aligned with the unlimited potential that lies within us and soar in these exciting yet challenging times? Diamond Alignment, a sacred technology for the 21st century, offers high-speed connection and alignment with this divine
sensory diamond experience delivered via the internet clears your mind, relaxes your body, and creates inner peace no matter what is going on around you. The diamond alignment experience effortlessly keeps you charged with joy and equanimity and greater focus and clarity throughout your day. When you experience the expansive energy of diamond alignment, you activate the unlimited wealth and potential within you. Did you feel it? It was kind of floating, you know? Isn't that something? So, Clint, I don't know if I should have warned you. Are you floating in the car? <laughs> I'm not floating anymore. I finally landed. Can you feel, could you feel that transmission? It's a divine transmission. I had, I really didn't believe it could be done over the Internet in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you. I don't know if, you know, sometimes if you're busy doing something, you don't feel it. But it totally alters my energy every time I hear it in a good way and calms it down. That's I was wondering if you felt anything. I, I was only half paying attention. Okay, got it. And, that, and that's... Commercial for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Steve, were you able to... Did you feel anything? Well, just sort of a little floaty feeling. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And what do you think that little floaty feeling is? This energy is automatically being given a lift. Sounds good to me. Okay, and any time your energy gets a lift, folks... What happens is, it's kind of like climbing up the side of the mountain, you have a better view. So I do all kinds of things, actually, guys, to um, make my energy feel good. I'm going to be 68 next month, and most people don't believe that. And they don't believe it because I love Mona B, and I take it every day, and I take my, my liquid minerals and vitamins every day, and I take two hot products from Max GXL. And if you're interested in finding out any more about those hot products, you should give me a call. And the telephone number to call is 866-604-9966. That's 866-604-9966. About mm, 10 years ago now, I fell down. I was playing polo. I just committed to a polo tournament, got off, and then everybody tells you how dangerous polo is. And I fell flat on my face in an office building and cracked both of my kneecaps and ended up as handicapped and have been de- was deteriorating until these products came into my life. So there you go. So you were just about to reveal something to us, Steve. You want to remind the audience? Yeah, I just was going to say that uh, it's not only about electing more Democrats. It's about electing better Democrats, Democrats who are not, as I said, the so-called blue dogs who vote with Republicans more often than not. And that takes me back to Clint Curtis, our friend Clint Curtis, and his name is spelled with two C's. That's Clint with a C and Curtis with a C at ClintCurtis.com. He's running for House Representative in Florida's 24th District, and he's the perfect example of a better Democrat. He's a progressive man with a progressive outlook. That doesn't mean he's liberal. If you're afraid of liberals, you don't need to be afraid of Clint Curtis. What it means is that he will have active and proactive solutions for dealing with the problems in Florida in that district and across the rest of the country. Better Democrats, progressives like Clint Curtis. I hope people will visit his website at ClintCurtis.com and give him any help you can. Now, Clint... I bet you'd like a copy of this. <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> Let me see what I can arrange for you, gentlemen. We have MP3 files that will be coming out this week, and I'll forward them both to you. Um, Steve, question here. 
Um, do you have a website that you want to invite people to? Do you have? Are you taking contributions for um, what these hideous legal fees are? Because you're being punished for being a whistleblower, right? Well, that's very kind of you, but I did have a legal defense fund, but that has been closed. You know, I pled guilty to the crime that I committed in November of 2006. I'm still on probation, but we're not accepting donations for the legal defense fund uh-huh. anymore. But I am working with, as I said before, a group called Velvet Revolution. Dot US. That's Velvet Revolution, one word, of course, dot US. And they're an organization that has uh, a lot of different things going on. We're trying to do, just like we say, a Velvet Revolution to take back this country. My job is with Velvet Revolution's Election Protection Strike Force. <laughs> and at the top of the page is a great big button that says Election Protection, and that's where I'm working. And I'm working to uh, try to make sure that uh, the people who actually get the most votes, whatever their politics are, you know, the people who get the most votes are the ones who should be taking office. You know, it's very funny because you and I have, you've triggered off perfect conversations for me a number of times during the course of this event. It's like you and I are both whistleblowers, actually. Um, That's what Waking Up in America is all about, if you notice I'm giving the space for this. But I actually had the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office have me in, in, in court, okay? And I was put in court for doing past life regressions. Don't you think that's amusing? It's, uh, it sounds interesting. They investigated me for seven years. I told them I didn't care if the past lives worked or not, that I, was a, that I worked out of Jung and that I worked out of symbols and stuff. But in this state, that was punishable. Yet, when it comes to um, an administration that's responsible for perhaps as many as a million deaths, Yes. Uh, maybe even more. Um, according to um, sources that I have, there's actually oil in Alaska that would take care of this country for the next 200 years. On top of that, there's equipment in Australia right now that you could put in your home, and after a quick plug-in, it would actually generate your electricity forever, practically, because there's no moving parts. That would cost you $5,000. So you wouldn't need the solar panels. It's like, psh- all of this stuff is available to us right now if we get up and we start looking for it. Most people, you miss a payment with your bank, and what happens is you start to fall into the foreclosure conversation or the credit cards or whatever. There are people out there. Start Googling this. There's, we're being taken advantage of by all kinds of rules and manipulations, and as we just stand up and start, I want to suggest to everybody that you, we say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, you know? What was I actually, till I started thinking about this, have probably not formally said the Pledge of Allegiance with my hand over my heart for maybe like two or three years. I think other than uh, maybe uh, uh, some football games, I don't think I have either. Yeah. And even if, so we actually have God under God still at the football game. But I'm going to say this happened with, in particular with the last administration, you know? It's like there's no Independence Day and Fourth of July anymore. Notice? Independence is gone. So all we need to do is take this stuff back. And, like, we outnumber everybody like five to one. Well, uh, apathy and uh, motivating people has been a real problem, I think. Uh, Americans have become very uh, comfortable and complacent, and I think that's uh, a real threat to maintaining our democracy. The Founding Fathers taught us that eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. 
and we have let our vigilance go. We're just counting on the government to do everything for us, take care of us. I'm not talking about giving us money to take care of us. I'm talking about protecting our rights and enforcing the law for us, and we don't have to bother. Well, the government isn't doing that. They're not protecting our rights, and they're not enforcing the law for them. Okay, so it's up to us It is. It's to exactly take right. this government and make it the government that we say it is, and we blah, blah around. I, I have an office in the Pacific Palisades, and one day I went over there to see how the election polls were going, and it was an off year, no candidates. Four percent of the people had voted yeah. at four in the afternoon, and I said to them, what were the issues? And they were like multi-million dollar bond issues, okay? And so I, I got on the radio and I said, this is absolutely absurd when the wealth of the Pacific Palisades thinks it's too trivial to go and vote on bond issues that we're going to be dealing with for the next 20 or 30 years. Wake up, folks! We have to wake up! That's exactly right. And Clint Curtis, I... Are you in your car or have you landed on the moon? Where are you? I have finally landed. <laughs> I have finally made it home. So, comment on all that we've been talking about, if you if you caught it. Well, a lot of people do not feel that they can influence anything, and especially with the voting machines being tainted, they thought before that voting, you know, the same parties are both, they just change their name, but they do the same things, which has happened a lot. And then the voting, voting machines took away even that element of voting. So a lot of them lost faith. So they have to know that they can get their vote back and that when they do get it back, if they pay attention, they can actually do something about it. And that's the key. Well, <clears throat> I'm hearing a lot of stuff about martial law being declared by the end of the year in 16 prisons or 60 prisons or whatever all that stuff is. And I was wondering if either of you guys had any comment on that. Well, I don't I, think it will happen. I don't think George Bush has enough power left to do anything. I think if he tried to declare martial law, they might arrest him. That was kind of where I was, but I didn't know if I was just being naive. I think all that's pretty much gone away. Um, there's not a lot you can do when 9% of the population actually still thinks that you're worth even listening to. I think so, that is right. Yeah, I think I think there's... a. You know, there's an element of paranoia, and, and I understand where that comes from, having had some strange things happen in my life, and, and uh, I can understand why people do get kind of paranoid, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to have an election this November. Now, whether or not that election is going to be clean, I don't think it will be. That doesn't mean that, uh, the, that Barack Obama, if he gets the votes, won't actually be in the White House, but what about the down-race elections? These are things that we need to be looking at. We what is a down-race election? Meaning for Senate and House. And oh, got it, okay. And governors and local races, uh, when I say, I should have said down ticket, not down race, uh, the, these, these are very important issues, and uh, we, we definitely want to make sure that whoever gets the most votes in any race at any level is the one who takes office. I try to be nonpartisan about it. I, I clearly am a progressive, and I'm not real happy with the Republican Party, but uh, listen, if, if John McCain really does get the most votes this November, then he should be president. Uh, all I'm trying to do is get our elections back to the point where the person who gets the most votes is the one who actually takes off. Well, if 9% of the people are the ones that support the current administration and the rest of the people aren't, it doesn't seem to me like the other person that you mentioned would be getting elected, John McCain. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way, and, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if he really did actually get the most votes, but, again, I, I'm trying to approach this from a nonpartisan way. No, I understand. I, you know, I just I just want to make sure that our elections are clean, and even if the candidate that I don't prefer... No, I, I, I totally like Mexico, you know? Mm -hmm. I think Mexico did a good job. 
You mentioned uh, our voter turnout being so low. The last uh, French presidential election, they had an 84% voter turnout. 84% of registered voters turned out to vote, and that's pretty good. That's something that we, as the leading democracy, so-called, in the world, should be very envious of. But shouldn't we be the leading republic? Well, the Democratic Republic, yes. We're yeah, so I, I think that we Republic. part of what we get into when we go into this democracy conversation is that everybody is somehow all equal and talking somehow. And the reality of the situation, we we need some kind of hierarchy of decision. Well, absolutely. We are not a true democracy. We'd all be voting on everything all the exactly. time. Exactly. We're, we're a Democratic Republic, a constitutional republic. There you go. And so if we remember we're a Democratic Republic, and if we say the Pledge of Allegiance and we ask Clint Curtis, by the way, Clint Curtis, What's your ticket that you're running on in Florida right now? I am running as a Democrat, and uh, we're pushing for fair elections. We're pushing for energy independence. Right down here in central Florida, we could be growing biodiesel based on algae that would generate every bit of fuel we would need in Florida, and at about a dollar a gallon. Really? Mm -hmm. So any other state with a swamp could do the same thing? (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much all it needs is a lot of sunshine and a lot of surface water. Wouldn't so. that be kind of like Louisiana? Louisiana. Could they do the even, same thing? Even California. Yeah, if we if it works out, I'm, I'm going to push for a prototype in this area, you know, to prove the point, to prove the actual uh, theory that it does work, that the cars will work, that we can generate it. And if it works, it could spread across the country, and everybody's gas could go down to a dollar a year. Do you know what I think you should do, both of you guys? And I would join you in this at some point. I think we should go to Tesla. You know the Tesla sports cars? I know of them. T-E-S-L-A. Check this out. These little puppies do over 100 miles an hour on their electric. Up to, you, you, Larry Hagman plugs his electric cars into his solar system at home. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Okay, so um, so that's also what you stand for. You know, exciting new thinking in the area of the environment. I'm going to ask both of you guys actually go to the website and sign up for our newsletter. We're starting one um, actually August 1st. And what we're also doing is we're offering a Green Business Alliance membership. And what that means is when you go to that website and you sign in, say what your area of expertise is. And we'll contact you and we'll actually give you a free listing on the website and people will be able to go to our Green Business Alliance and they'll go, I want to talk to that Clint Curtis who's running for office about blah, blah, blah. And we'll give him your contact information. So um, when you go to our website and you sign up, that's yours for the next six months free. We'll publish even a picture of you, a little paragraph on what it is that you do and what's important to you and also a link to your website and your telephone number if you so choose. And that's what you get for going over there and signing up at wakingupinamerica.com. And if any of you saw those LCD bulbs, they're horrible. I so apologize. That was a huge mistake on my part. I've actually gone to the lumber company and told them I made a huge mistake. I was all locked into how much energy they were saving, and I didn't realize that you practically had to move out of your house if one of them broke. So nothing I really think Waking Up in America wants to support. We like to correct our errors as fast as possible. So there you go. We're on the air. We're on the air with Clint Curtis running for um, Congress in the state of Florida and Mr. Steve Heller, Debold, whistleblower. Blow your whistle, Steve. That's right. Tweet, tweet. 
Oh, come on. It was a bigger than a tweet tweet, well, for gosh I'll, sakes. I'll give a big tweet to Clint, what he was talking about before, about uh, alternative energy and, and energy independence. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with progressive, better Democrats, people who aren't saying, let's drill for more oil, but people who are saying, let's get off oil. That's a progressive idea, and that's an idea that I think just about any American should be able to get behind. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I ran Dennis Weaver's um, 2001 hydrogen car drive. I was so producer of that with him. And so we did a lot of work into alternatives. I mean, for absolutely years, since 1978, BMW has been working on alternative motors. They've got beautiful, 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 beautiful cars that I rode around in, I'm going to say six or seven years ago now. And these cars were operating off of hydrogen, and they were doing an elegant job of it. I just don't happen to care for plastic cars. But uh, the Teslas are fast. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the movie, Who Killed the Electric Car? Did either of you see that? No, I didn't see it. I know of it, but I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, Larry Hagman recommended it, and when I went down there, I actually met one of the men that put it together. GM actually ground up all their electric cars because they were too efficient. See, nobody wants electricity, guys, because there's no moving parts to be repaired, and the whole repair business goes out. So we're not, we're being we're being manipulated to be... Um, Consumers. Oh, absolutely. You know, the government doesn't want us thinking about things or reading or learning or asking questions. The government wants us going to our jobs and getting our paycheck and then going to the mall and buying stuff. Yeah, let me ask you a question, Steve, and then I'm going to ask you the same question, Clint, so you can think about it. Think back into your lives. I'm going to guess you guys are somewhere in your 35 to 45 range. Am I correct? Well, maybe. Close? Yeah, I'm I'm a little older than that. Okay, so go back to something from your childhood that you remember, and it's still manufactured now, and tell me, that thing, does it still have the same quality? Probably not, no. What's the thing that you would go back to if you went back to something of quality from your childhood? Hmm. Mine was a radio. I mean, the first thing that I went back to was like those old magnificent wood radios. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the resonant tone that you got because it was wood, and the big speakers and stuff, even though they were bigger in size, God, the quality was staggering on some of them. Yeah. So I remember that now, and now I see plastic stuff that if I drop it, it shatters, and I have to rattle it because it's not quite hooked in well. And I paid more money than I paid for my other speaker, which was, you know, I still have one of those. Huh? Cars aren't what they used to be, though. They were solid and steel, and they would, you know, last forever until they rusted. Yeah, so how many miles a gallon did your car get, Clint? Um, I had a uh, a Cougar, six-cylinder Cougar. It got about 25, 30 miles a gallon. There you go. And you know what? I drove a Morgan. Do you know Morgans? They were the British racing green hoods with the, with the sheepskins over them, straps. I don't know if you ever saw one. I don't think so. I, think they're they're, I love this car. They're, they're like Triumph engines. We're talking, they're, in the, they're from the 60s, okay? In the 60s, I was driving that car, and I was getting 36 miles to the gallon. But they didn't have any emission controls on them. No. They, 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 they polluted, polluted badly. Them. Actually, cars, I think they're a lot uh, safer now, and um, I think people have forgotten that, uh, you know, in, in the old days, you used to have to have your car tuned up frequently, and I think <laughs> uh, routine maintenance is less. Did you ever have to crank your car? Uh, well, no, I'm not. I did. I actually had a Hillman Max convertible, and I had to crank a little puppy. Uh, so I'm not saying that everything from the past is better. I'm saying that there's a quality in the past that if you brought the technology of today 
and you put it into the past, I don't think there would be a desire to crank out 27,000 of them. That may be. You take this thing and you put it into today's technology and you still give it the wood box. I buy a wood box at a garage sale. Anytime I see a wood box radio, I'll pick it up because the tone's way better and I give them to my friends. You know, it's like we can do what we want to do with this. All we have to do is remember who we are. Mm-hmm. What's your next step, Steve? For me, is to continue working for election integrity. And, to, again, like I don't mean to be like a broken record, but, again, to try to make sure that whoever gets the most votes is the one that takes office, whether it's a local alderman in a little town somewhere all the way up to the White House. We just want to make sure that voters are actually deciding who gets to run the government. So, in your opinion, are voters deciding anywhere in this country who runs the government? It's iffy. The thing is, pretty much everywhere in America, even places that use paper ballots, they're using electronic voting machines or voting machine scanners, OptiScans, to count the ballots. And this is what Brad Friedman of Bradblog calls faith-based voting. We need to get back to a time when we use hand-marked paper ballots and have those ballots counted by hand at the local precinct level with citizens allowed by law to watch the counting. Then when they've been counted at the precinct level, you post the results at the precinct level before they're sent to the central tabulator. Yes, 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 yes. In, uh, in Zimbabwe, the reason they knew and could prove that the elections were rigged and that uh, Mugabe did not win re-election was because they did just that. They counted the ballots at the local level, posted the results, then sent them to the central tabulator. When people checked the central tabulator results and compared them to the precinct by precinct results, they didn't add up. Clearly, votes had been either added for Mugabe or detracted from his uh, his opponent, whose name I forget now. It's very difficult uh-huh, to pronounce, yeah. but, but that's how they were able to prove the election was rigged. We need something like that here. Paper ballots are not immune to tampering, but if they are tampered with or if it's just honest mistakes, which certainly can happen, then with the paper ballots, you have a chance to find and correct either the tampering or the honest mistake. So, Clint, are... Are all these things in play in Florida? Or, except I think you did mention the scanners, didn't you? Yes, we do have scanners. We are going to run a full audit on them, which, you know, we'll catch most of that. How do you run an audit on a scanner? Well, you simply have paper left over even after the scanner scanned it. What we don't have is a legitimate audit procedure yet, but we're going to try and set one of those up. But we will run an audit on the paper and make sure that the machine's counted correctly. And if they don't come out correctly, you know, then we'll go for a full recount. That's okay, right. now I yeah. saw that movie from the election, the Florida election. That was kind of cool. Did you see that movie and it came out? I did, yeah, on HBO. It was yeah. Oprah uh, Memorial Day weekend. I think. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a good movie. It was very depressing to watch the whole thing again. It was depressing. Um, Another issue that uh, I hope Clinton and other people will be aware of and I'm sure Clint is, is chain of custody. For instance, if you have, you know, just for round numbers, you've got 50,000 ballots for an election, and 30,000 of them have been used. Okay, great. Where are the other 20,000? If you don't know where they are and who's had chain of custody of them, the, some or all of those votes could be used to stuff a ballot box. So oh, got it. Chain of custody, not only of the used ballots, but of the unused ballots is very important to make sure that the used ballots are handled properly and not lost or, or destroyed or anything, and the unused ballots aren't being used uh, to rig an election. So, Clint, now you're in Florida. Uh, it sounds like maybe this chain of custody stuff and uh, um, the method for uh, checking everything isn't firmly in place yet, though it's headed in the right direction. Who would actually be... headed in the right direction, but it's headed somewhat in the right direction. <laughs> they don't have a chain of custody at all down here. 
In fact, uh, there's a big push for absentee ballots, but there is no real chain of custody, you know, legal way of confirming what went in and how they were recorded on the absentee ballots at all. So that's really up in the air. Yeah. So in other words, you would be a nice weak place to hit next time. Yeah. We can expect the Florida elections to be a problem if it's close. If it's close, Florida's always a problem. Yeah. Also, uh, I think uh, ground zero might well be Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania is still refusing to do any kind of paper ballot or paper trail. It's all electronic, and Pennsylvania is a big state with a lot of electoral votes, and that may well be the Ohio of 2008. It may huh. well be Pennsylvania. So how can we get ready for the Ohio of 2008 in Pennsylvania? Do we have to put spotters all over the place or what? Well, you know, getting involved, being a poll worker, volunteering to work at the polls on Election Day can be a big help. You keep your eyes open, and, and if you see something, say something. Uh, you know, you don't have to do what I did and commit a felony by breaking attorney-client privilege in order to... Expose. How else could you have done that? Okay, I thought about that, actually, when I read your bio stuff. Uh-huh. How, how else would you have done that? Could you have, like, leaked it or something? Is that what you're saying? Well, I did leak it, but... Uh, but, I mean, uh, anonymously it. leaked. No, I, well, I did, I did it anonymously. The thing is, I was on their computer system, and anything you do on a computer leaves an electronic trail. And they were able to prove definitively that it was me that, that printed out the documents. And that's, and again, I, I, I committed a serious crime. But wouldn't you do it again? Would I do it again? Yes, absolutely. Because my entire republic was at stake. If Diebold, exactly. It, it, this was January of 2004. In November of that year, Diebold counted about 33 million votes in the presidential election. And, and here I was looking at absolute smoking gun proof that in California, and probably other states as well, but the documents were only about California, they were actively lying to the Secretary of State, to the voters, and to the taxpayers who pay for their systems. So I thought if these people are willing to do this, to lie to the Secretary of State and to defraud the voters and the taxpayers, what are they not willing to do? And I decided I had to do what I did, which is steal those documents and expose them. And basically, it sounds like inside of its own system, the court has been fairly kind to you. Well, you know, I, I, I pled guilty to one of the three felonies. The other two were dropped, and I was put on three years probation. I'm still on probation because I'd never been in trouble with the law before and because I didn't try to profit from my crime. And what I did was the act of a whistleblower. They didn't send me to prison. That Is there a whistleblower's law or anything like that? There's a lot of uh, uh, civil protection for whistleblowers, but there is no criminal protection. And again, I acknowledge I broke a very important law. Attorney-client privilege should not be violated lightly. I made a choice. I stand by the choice. But again, breaking attorney-client privilege... It's not a thing you recommend. No, not at all. It is a very serious crime. I committed that crime, and ultimately I pled guilty to it, and that's the way it had to be. And notice how clear he sounds. I, I try to be objective about it. It's not easy when it's yourself, but one, yeah, well, it's, one thing I do say is that uh, because attorney-client privilege is so important, I had to be held accountable in some way. I think misdemeanors would have sufficed instead of felonies, but okay. The thing is, I say that uh, George Bush and I have a lot in common. We're both crooks. We both have broken the law. I have been held accountable for my crime. I've admitted it, and I've uh, accepted responsibility, and I'm being held accountable. Yeah, but you're not accountable for murder, and that's probably part of the reason. Uh, well, but uh, the thing is, if I'm held accountable for my crime, when will George Bush, Dick Cheney, and others be held accountable for their crime? Well, that's what Vincent Bugliosi is saying. 
And that's what's so important about it. I like what Clint Curtis said at ClintCurtis.com. Go there and give us some love, folks. Clint Curtis was saying that we can still hold these people accountable after they leave office. You've got to notice that Clint Curtis is smiling. You've got to notice it big time. I have to tell you, this program has been brought to you by the Golden Heart Foundation in association with Kirkguard Media, our radio partners, CloningCompany.com, Mona V, Max GXL, Dr. James Murphy in memoriam, Nathan Jett, Rich Kepler, and Jeff Spinard, and the team at Voice America, and to Bent Migan for our theme music, Almost Ordinary People. And um, go to a website, check something out, Google something, check out some of the references we've been making on this program, see what your part in it all is. And thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com.